O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Thursday, August 19th. Announcing the launch of the War Room Report. Wake up! The world is at war. It is an unconventional war. It is a cultural war. It is a communications media war. It is a political war. It is an economic war. It is an ideological war. It is a war for your mind and thoughts. And, at the deepest level, it is a spiritual war between light and darkness, between good and evil, between Yahovah and Satan. Most recently, we had a bioweapon purposefully released upon the nations in the form of COVID-19, coronavirus from the Wuhan lab in China. Stage one was the release of the coronavirus, bringing the nations to their knees with quarantines and lockdowns. Stage two of this bioweapon attack is the mandating of the untested, experimental, and deadly dangerous COVID-19 jabs that are being administered by a sharp, miniature steel arrow that is tipped with toxic poison designed to change your DNA and weaken your immune system. Stage 3. It is only a matter of time before we go into Stage 3 of the war, when the nations of the Earth go to a full-blown hot or kinetic war with military boots on the ground and missiles flying. How do we fight? Ultimately, this is a spiritual war, so we are to fight on our knees in prayer and intercession. We report for duty to our Commander-in-Chief, Yeshua HaMashiach, to the Lord of Hosts, Yahweh Saveot. To join with others in this spiritual warfare battle, we encourage you to get on the wall of intercession with us. We need intel to pray strategically. That is the purpose of the War Room Report, to give you the intel you need so you can successfully fight the spiritual war with power and precision. We share practical knowledge, truth, and facts you won't find in the mainstream media world. What we cover on the War Room Report, all things COVID, resources and remedies, big tech censorship, Israel and Middle East, where the hot war will most likely start, deep state globalist agenda, the folks in the shadows pulling the strings, election fraud and ongoing forensic audits, CCP infiltration into America. Go to bridgeconnectorministries.com and then click on the War Room Report. New posts go up frequently. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Ki Tetzi, and it means, When You Go Out. Deuteronomy 23, 13-25 Further, 
There shall be an area for you outside the camp where you may relieve yourself. With your gear you shall have a spike, and when you have squatted you shall dig a hole with it and cover up your excrement. Since Hashem your God moves about in your camp to protect you and to deliver your enemies to you, let your camp be holy. Let him not find anything unseemly among you and turn away from you. You shall not turn over to his master a slave who seeks refuge with you from his master. He shall live with you in any place he may choose among the settlements in your midst, wherever he pleases. You must not ill-treat him. No Israelite woman shall be a cult prostitute, nor shall any Israelite man be a cult prostitute. You shall not bring the fee of a whore or the pay of a dog in the house of Hashem your God in the fulfillment of any vow, for both are abhorrent to Hashem your God. You shall not deduct interest from loans to your countrymen, whether in money or food or anything else that can be deducted as interest. But you may deduct interest from loans to foreigners. Do not deduct interest from loans to your countrymen so that Hashem your God may bless you and all your undertakings in the land that you are about to enter and possess. When you make a vow to Hashem your God, do not put off fulfilling it, for Hashem your God will require it of you, and you will have incurred guilt, whereas you incur no guilt if you refrain from vowing. You must fulfill what has crossed your lips and perform what you have voluntarily vowed to Hashem your God having made the promise with your own mouth. When you enter another man's vineyard, you may eat as many grapes as you want until you are full, but you must not put any in your vessel. When you enter another man's field of standing grain, you may not you may pluck ears with your hand, but you must not put a sickle to your neighbor's grain. Esther 4, 1-7-10 When Mordecai learned all that had happened, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes. He went through the city crying out loudly and bitterly until he came in front of the palace gate, for one could not enter the palace gate wearing sackcloth. Also, in every province that the king's command and decree reached, There was great mourning among the Yehudim, with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and everybody lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maidens and eunuchs came and informed her, the queen was greatly agitated. She sent clothing for Mordecai to wear so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he refused. Thereupon Esther summoned Hathak, one of the eunuchs whom the king had appointed to serve her, and sent him to Mordecai to learn the why and wherefore of it all. Hathak went out to Mordecai in the city square in front of the palace gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and all about the money that Haman had offered to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Yehudim. He also gave him the written text of the law that had been proclaimed in Shushan for their destruction. He bade him show it to Esther and inform her and charge her to go to the king and to appeal to him and to plead with him for her people. When Hathak came and delivered Mordecai's message to Esther, 
Esther told Hathach to take back to Mordecai the following reply. All the king's courtiers and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man, woman, enters the king's presence in the inner court without having been summoned, there is but one law for him, that he be put to death. Only if the king extends the golden scepter to him may he live. Now I have not been summoned to visit the king for the last thirty days. When Mordecai was told what Esther had said, Mordecai had this message delivered to Esther. Do not imagine that you of all the Yehudim will escape with your life by being in the king's palace. On the contrary, if you keep silent in this crisis, relief and deliverance will come to the Jews from another quarter, while you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, perhaps you have attained to royal position for just such a crisis. Then Esther sent back this answer to Mordecai. Go, assemble all the Jews who live in Shushan and fast in my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maidens will observe the same fast. Then I shall go to the king, though it is contrary to the law. And if I am to perish, I shall perish. So Mordecai went about the city and did just as Esther had commanded him. On the third day Esther put on royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's palace, facing the king's palace, while the king was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room facing the entrance of the palace. As soon as the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won his favor. The king extended to Esther the golden scepter which he had in his hand, and Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. What troubles you, Queen Esther? the king asked her. What is your request? Even to half the kingdom it shall be granted you. If it please your majesty, Esther replied, let your majesty and Haman come today to the feast that I have prepared for him. The king commanded, Tell Haman to hurry and do Esther's bidding. So the king and Haman came to the feast that Esther had prepared. At the wine feast the king asked Esther, What is your wish? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to half the kingdom it shall be fulfilled. My wish, replied Esther, my request. If your majesty will do me the favor, If it please your majesty to grant my wish and accede to my request, let your majesty and Haman come to the feast which I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do your majesty's bidding. That day Haman went out very happy and light-hearted, but when Haman saw Mordecai in the palace gate, and Mordecai did not rise or even stir on his account, Haman was filled with rage at him. Nevertheless, Haman controlled himself and went home. He went for his friends and his wife, Zeresh. And Haman told them about his great wealth and his many sons, and all about how the king had promoted him and advanced him above the officials and the king's courtiers. What is more, said Haman, Queen Esther gave a feast, and besides the king, she did not have anyone but me, and tomorrow too, I am invited by her along with the king. Yet all this means nothing to me every time I see that Jew Mordecai sitting in the palace gate.
Then his wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, Let a stake be put up, fifty a moat high, and in the morning ask the king to have Mordecai impaled on it. Then you shall go gaily with the king to the feast. The proposal pleased Haman, and he had the stake put up. That night sleep deserted the king, and he ordered the book of records, the annals, to be brought, and it was read to the king. There it was found written that Mordecai had denounced Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the threshold, who had plotted to do away with King Ahasuerus. What honor or advancement has been conferred on Mordecai for this? the king inquired. Nothing at all has been done for him, replied the king's servants, who were in attendance with him. Who is in the court? the king asked. For Haman had just entered the outer court of the royal palace to speak to the king about having Mordecai impaled on the stake he had prepared for him. It is Haman standing in the court, the king's servants answered him. Let him enter, said the king. Haman entered, and the king asked him what should be done for a man whom the king desires to honor. Haman said to himself, Whom would the king desire to honor more than me? So Haman said to the king, For the man whom the king desires to honor, let royal garb which the king has worn be brought, and a horse on which the king has ridden, and on whose head a royal diadem has been set. And let the attire and the horse be put in the charge of one of the king's noble courtiers, and let the man whom the king desires to honor be attired and paraded on the horse through the city square, while they proclaim before him, This is what is done for the man whom the king desires to honor. Quick then, said the king to Haman, get the garb and the horse, as you have said, and do this to Mordecai the Jew, who sits in the king's gate. Omit nothing of all you have proposed. So Haman took the garb and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and paraded him through the city square, and he proclaimed before him, This is what is done for the man whom the king desires to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, while Haman hurried home, his head covered in mourning. There Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had befallen him. His advisers and his wife Zeresh said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish stock, you will not overcome him. You will fall before him to your ruin. While they were still speaking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurriedly brought Haman to the banquet, which Esther had prepared. So the king and Haman came to feast with Queen Esther. On the second day, the king asked again of Esther at the wine feast, What is your wish, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to have the kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. Queen Esther replied, If your majesty will do me the favor, and if it pleases your majesty, let my life be granted me as my wish, and my people as my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, massacred, and exterminated. Had we only been sold as bondmen and bondwomen, I would have kept silent, for the adversary is not worthy of the king's trouble. Thereupon King Ahasuerus demanded of Queen Esther, Who is he, and where is he who dared to do this? The adversary and enemy, replied Esther, is this evil Haman. 
and Haman cringed in terror before the king and the queen. The king, in his fury, left the wine feast for the palace garden, while Haman remained to plead with Queen Esther for his life, for he saw that the king had resolved to destroy him. When the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet room, Haman was lying prostrate on the couch on which Esther reclined. Does he mean, cried the king, to ravish the queen in my own palace? No sooner did these words leave the king's lips than Haman's face was covered. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance on the king, said, What is more, a stake is standing at Haman's house, fifty a moat high, which Haman made for Mordecai, the man whose words saved the king. Impale him on it, the king ordered. So they impaled Haman on the stake which he had put up for Mordecai, and the king's fury abated. First Corinthians twelve one to twenty six. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I, Paul, would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man, speaking by the Spirit of God, calls Yeshua accursed, and that no man can say that Yeshua is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are various kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are various kinds of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Yeshua. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it has pleased him. And if there were all one member, where were the body? But now they are many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. 
and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffers, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Psalm 36, 1-12 The transgression of the wicked says within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He has left off to be wise and to do good. He devises mischief upon his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He abhors not evil. Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are a great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How excellent is your loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of your house, and you shall make them drink of the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life, and your light shall we see light. O continue your loving kindness to them that know you, and your righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and shall not be able to rise. Proverbs 21, 21 and 22 He that follows after righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness and honor. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and casts down the strength of the confidence thereof. I'd like to speak to you today from the book of Esther, from chapters 4 through 7. And the plot thickens. Now, an edict has been issued originating from Haman, and the king blindly, ignorantly, went ahead with this edict. And it was an edict to destroy all the Jews throughout the kingdom. Now, it wasn't to be carried out immediately. It was like almost a year away. But now Mordecai has come to Esther and said, we need you to get in front of the king and appeal for us on our behalf to save our lives. And she replies to him, well, you know, if you get in front of the king and he hasn't invited you and you go there without his permission, this is the penalty of death unless he extends the golden scepter. So Mordecai's reply to her in messaging through the courier. This is what he says in chapter 4, verse 14. Do not imagine that you of all the Jews will escape with your life by being in the king's palace. On the contrary, if you keep silent in this crisis, relief and deliverance will come to the Jews from another quarter, while you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, perhaps you have attained to royal position for just such a time as this. 
The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Mordecai's inspiring words move Esther to courageously step up and defend her people. Mordecai does not say, if you are silent now, then we are all doomed, because he knows that the God of Israel will never forsake his people. Instead, Mordecai empowers Esther to take a leading role in the redemption and not to sit quietly on the sidelines as it unfolds. In every generation, there are those who threaten the existence of the nation of Israel. Ultimately, Hashem will defend his people and his land, but it is up to each individual to decide if he or she will stand up, as Queen Esther did, on behalf of Israel. Also, yesterday, when we read the introduction comments to this book, we uh, read that the name of God is never mentioned in the entire book of Esther. So the Lord is definitely at work, but he's hidden. And in Mordecai's comments here, this is how we see the hand of God moving quietly in an invisible way behind the scenes, behind the curtain. In other words, Mordecai is recognizing the sovereignty of God in placing and positioning Esther as the queen because he asks her the question, who knows, perhaps you have attained to royal position for such a time as this. In other words, God has placed you where you are for purpose and for a reason, and it's time to step up and step through the door that God has opened. So this is one glimpse of seeing the invisible hand of God moving behind the scenes. Now, chapter 5, verse 3. Well, I'll start with verse 2. So Queen Esther was standing in the court, and she won the favor of the king. And the king extended to Esther the golden scepter which he had in his hand, and Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. And so the king asks her in verse 3, What troubles you, Queen Esther? The king asks her, And what is your request? Even to half the kingdom it shall be granted to you. So the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows, Even to half the kingdom. When Ahasuerus offered Esther up to half the kingdom, this was not merely an exaggerated show of generosity, but it referred to a specific geographic location. Rashi notes that the halfway mark of Hosrus's empire was the site of the Beit Hamikdash, the temple. Ahasuerus tells Esther that he is willing to do anything to make her happy, short of allowing the rebuilding of the temple. Although Cyrus, his predecessor, had allowed the children of Israel to return to Israel, to Israel and begin reconstruction of the Beit HaMikdash, Ahasuerus was adamantly against it. Ironically, according to Jewish tradition, it was his son, Darius, born to him by Esther, who allowed the construction of the Beit HaMikdash to be completed. Continuing on, in chapter 6, verse 1, well, let's give a little bit of context. Now, uh, Haman has gone home and he's gloating to his wife and his friends that he's now built, um, you know, that he's got this death edict uh, set up against the Jews, but he hates looking at Mordecai at the city gate. Um, 
and how much this bothers him. And so in verse 14 of chapter 5, his wife Zeresh and all of his friends said to him, Let a stake be put up, fifty a moat high, and in the morning ask the king to have Mordecai impaled on it. Then you can go gaily with the king to the feast. The proposal pleased Haman, and he had the stake put up. Now, in other translations, such as the King James, the New King James, and many other translations, they don't say it was a stake. They say it was a gallows, a gallows for hanging somebody. But here in the Israel Bible version, they are interpreting it as a stake. That's very interesting. That's a little bit different. So now let's get into chapter 6, verse 1. That night sleep deserted the king, and he ordered the book of records, the annals, to be brought, and it was read to the king. So here again we see the invisible hand of God moving. Though his name is not mentioned, he's quietly working behind the scenes. The Lord is the orchestrator of all events. He's the one who causes things to happen. He's sovereign. So he caused the king, to have insomnia. And so, because he couldn't sleep, he orders these books to be brought to him for him to read. And, of course, then he discovers that Mordecai had saved the life of the king and recognized, oops, nobody ever honored him or did anything good for him. So, again, we see the hand of God moving invisibly behind the scenes, orchestrating circumstances from this verse. The Lord caused the king to have insomnia. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Upon careful reading of the Megillot Esther, it becomes clear that that night was the second night of Passover. Since Haman's letters had been sent out on the 13th day of Nisan, and Esther called for three days of fasting, the first banquet took place on the 16th of Nisan. The Talmud relates that when Haman looked for Mordecai in order to lead him around the city, he found the Jewish sage teaching the laws of the Omer offering, which was offered in the temple on the second day of Passover. When granted permission to rebuild the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, by Cyrus, the Jews did not heed the call, and only a small minority returned to Jerusalem. Hoping to rectify this sin, which potentially brought about Haman's decree of annihilation, Mordecai was teaching about the temple and its laws. Though in exile, the Jews have remained connected to Jerusalem and the Holy Temple through the study of Torah. Continuing on. So Esther didn't immediately blurred out her request to the king. First, she invited him to a banquet and included Haman, and then she invites him to a second banquet. And it's at the second banquet that she's going to reveal her request to the king. So in chapter 7, verse 1, it, it is written, So the king and Haman came to the feast with Queen Esther. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. So, um, why does Esther deem it necessary to invite Haman to her banquet with Ahasuerus? As long as the Jewish people knew that they had Esther in the palace, they were counting on her to reverse Haman's evil decree. Yet Esther wanted the people themselves to fully repent. 
Inviting Haman made it appear that she was abandoning her people and aligning with the wicked Haman. At that point, the terrified nation called out to Hashem with a new intensity that merited salvation. Throughout the ages, true redemption arrives when we realize that we have no one to rely on aside from God above. And that's all I have for today. Have a blessed day, and we will see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.